I feel like he needs to step up more than he has. And I think he, I think he needs to help us, you know, just like everybody else. And uh, I think he, he's got he's going to need to put a little bit of weight on his shoulders here. And it's time to step up, and make some throws, and do some things. And uh, but he needs help. He needs help, you know. And look, I told him out there, he knows this, but some of that stuff, we're getting these holding calls. Well, it's because he's drifting back in the pocket 10 yards deep. That's not fair to those guys either. And if you hang on to the ball, so it's like I told you, this is a collective effort now. Everything goes hand in hand. But I want to see him step up. I do. I do. Because I think he can do it. Welcome back into one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner, who you can also hear on The Beat with Brendan Quinn. Uh, you probably know that. I'm sure you've listened to that show before. But uh, we uh, just watched the Lions <laughs> take a tough one against the Bengals. You heard Dan Campbell there Ooh. talking about Jared Goff. Uh, that was... As fired up as we'd heard Dan Campbell since probably the introductory press conference when yep. he was doing the biting kneecaps uh, yep. talk, and this was pretty 100%. much just anger uh, on Sunday after a 34-11 loss and uh, everything. We mentioned it in our observations post up on the site at theathletic.com. Campbell took a lot of the blame himself. I think yeah. there was plenty to go around to both coordinators, and certainly, as you heard there, uh, the quarterback <laughs> again. I don't know. What's your takeaway from what we heard from Campbell on Sunday? Yeah, it was an interesting day. Um, and I think when we were sitting up there watching, you know, that mess, which is exactly what it was, it was a disaster. Anyone who saw it, I mean, you're not disagreeing with what Campbell's assessment was, right? I mean, like it was a complete <laughs> disaster. And I think the biggest takeaway, like he said, was, you know, they're not in this fight. In every other game they've played this season, you know, flaws or whatever, the Lions have been in these fights. They've been in these games long enough to sort of bother people and stay in them as you've seen. And, you know, that's kind of how they play and they cannot exist as a football team. If they're not going to do the little things necessary to sort of keep themselves within an NFL game. And that I think was why the steam's coming out of his ear. So what I'm thinking, and I think what, you know, we're talking about upstairs is like, how is Campbell going to react and what's his sort of approach going to be after this? We talked about this all year. What is his, you know, sort of mood, vibe, whatever, going to be like the first time this team really just craps the bed and just plays like shit. And that's what this was. Right. Right? Like, right. what's yep. it going to be? Is it going to be a Patricia, oh, I got to coach it better and we got to get back to the film thing? Is it going to be a, you know, Caldwell type thing where we just don't really talk much about it and we try to stay even keel and we go forward? Or is it going to be Dan Campbell being Dan Campbell? And that's what we got. And I think that that's what I think that you needed to see. Um, and I'm super interested to see where this goes. I think Dan Campbell through six weeks has proven to people who've paid attention that he's a genuine person who cares a lot about this project and this team. And when they do not represent themselves the way that he believes, you know, they're capable of, and that doesn't necessarily mean winning a game. Uh, I think he's going to let every guy on the team know it. And I think it was important that he let people know that he's not completely absolving Jared Goff either. And, you know, I know we'll talk about him more in a minute, but I want to get your thoughts too, Chris, on this because we've talked so much about Campbell's reactions and the mood of the team and how they sort of sure. go with him. Uh, this is a really delicate, interesting spot, I think. And it was going to be a challenge spot for him, I think, as a coach more than anything else because, like, what are you going to do, man, when the first time your team really does, like, you know, not screw you, but really lay an egg, you know? Like, and I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts on, on kind of what we saw there. 
Yeah, and the, I mean, like you said, everyone saw it. This was bad. Like it, and they hung in there in the first half, as Dan Campbell mentioned too. Like the defense played fairly well in the first half. It was ten nothing. They gave up the one shot play late. Uh, the defense held held them in there. It was a game at halftime, and then they right. come out in the second half. They give up a touchdown. They had a fourth and one and got called for a false start. Give up a few goal. Now it's twenty nothing. Their next possession starts with another false start, and at that point, you're like, well, they're just not even here today. This is not. This is different than the first five. I mean, and I said to you, it felt like right. yeah. it felt like one of the Patricia games where they're just get us to the end of this. Let's go yes, home. Yes. It's, that's what it felt like. <laughs> and we, you're right. We haven't seen that. The sort of the staple of this team so far has been that they're, you know, Campbell kind of promised they weren't going to do that. That wasn't going to be them. And yeah. So you can understand his anger when that that team showed up again uh, and just kind of. Went through the motions, and we waited for a long time for him to come in for that press conference, too. It's usually like yes, yes. a few minutes, five or ten minutes. We were in there for like the entire end of the Vikings-Panthers game was on TV. Yeah, it was like 25 minutes. <laughs> the yeah. start of overtime. It was a long time. Uh, and he said, you know, he kind of, he really sort of let his team have it. That's what we heard from the players. You know, he told them how disappointed he was. And in himself, he took a lot of the blame himself. But again, a lot of the questions, as always, because it's the most important position in the game, came back to the quarterback, and right. that's where it was. You know, he had that soundbite we played you, where you know, a couple moments where Campbell didn't hold, ba- didn't really hold back entirely. He was he was critical of Goff, and then a couple moments where he had to apologize to reporters for kind of <laughs> snapping at them about their questions about Goff. Like, well, you get thinking about a replacement. It, you know, golf yeah. playing well. How do you fix that? It's not golf. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. It is golf. He but, like you know. talked himself into something when Eric asked him something. I can't remember what he even asked, but Eric Woodyard asked him something and Gamble started answering and he was like, no. And he was like, wait, I didn't even say anything. And he's like, oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, it was. What was I'm going to pull it. I'm going to look for it now because it was. Yeah, it was all over the place. <laughs> it was. uh it was it was the slow starts on offense. That's oh, what yeah, Eric, yeah. Eric Woodard That's asked. What was, you know, yeah. you guys, because it, it's been I think four games now. They haven't scored a touchdown in the first yes, half. Yes, yes, right. And Eric asked, you know, how That's much of that was, is the quarterback right? essentially? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. is that is that Jared? Like, how much of that is Jared? Right. And Campbell said, totally fair. it has yeah. nothing to do with Jared. And then he took another beat and he said, well, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> but that's not all Jared. That right. was the, that right. was the clarification. It's not yeah. all Jared. It's all of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And then, uh, you know, later on, I think it was Dave Burkett asked another question and he, uh, that's when he went into the rant to like, well, he's, uh, he's back there and mm-hmm. guys are missing yeah. assignments and he doesn't know where the hell his receivers are going to be. So what's he supposed to do? And then he clarified that with, but we also told him, mm-hmm. you know, can't. these sacks, you can't just keep dropping backwards. Yeah, 20 <laughs> that's steps. That's why we're getting yeah. holding penalties. And so I think he's right. I think it is. It's everything. I mean, I sure. think you see it. It's not just Jared Goff, but certainly what Jared Goff did on Sunday was not good enough. And to this point, through six games, uh, and we talked. You and I talked about this after the game Sunday, and I wrote about it after the game. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were trying to assess Jared Goff as like, can he be a guy who gets us through two or three seasons here? You're at game six, and like, this guy is not good right now. <laughs> he has no yeah, confidence. Right. He's not seeing the field. We can't run our offense. So I don't know. <laughs> like, what do you do here? Well, I mean, I think that this is this is the time when. 
and we've talked about this. We talked about this after the game. Um, everyone in the Lions organization had, you know, when this trade was made, they brought Stafford in here. Or, I'm sorry, Goff in here and, and traded Stafford. When that trade was made, everyone here knew that this was possible. You've seen Goff on tape. You've seen the struggles that he's had. Um, you know, I'm sure, like we talked about last week, and I think you put it really well when, when I think I asked you, like, how do you think Holmes is sort of feeling? And I think, you know, disappointment was the word you used. And I thought that was probably perfect. And I think that that was the emotion that Campbell sort of displayed. And frustration, too. But disappointment was really what sort of... Uh, cut through for me in that they're looking at him and being like, man, we gave you every single chance to come in here and build your confidence up. Hey, we could have given you more talent. Yes, we could have given you more help <laughs> right, in, that, that, in that department. Yes, fair criticism. But in every other situation, we've been patient with you, right? We've 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 tried to build you up, uh, talk you up, do all these things, and you're doing nothing to give us anything on the other end, man. We got to get something here from you. Because we're now we're entering a situation where it's going to have to get, and maybe this has already happened, but now you're entering a situation, I think, where it's like you have to start taking these next several weeks, whatever it is, whatever window you want to look at, and say, we have to decide. And I think for Jared Goff, too, like that question you just asked, Chris, like, is he going to be a guy that we can reasonably get through another season with? And are fans even going to stay on board? And is the team going to stay on board? Is the team going to stay on board? Because <laughs> right. before we get too deep into golf, I do want to ask you this, because I think this ties into it. Like, we're not in the locker room after games, right? And, and we get to talk to guys, and it's it's kind of easy sometimes covering Campbell in this situation, because it's easy to tell how he's feeling, right? Like, he does not, he doesn't hide anything. He's always pretty open about that. But... We're not in the locker room. Like you mentioned, you know, some of these losses being Patricia losses, and it looked, it felt like that anyway. When you went to the locker room after one of those losses, guys were talking about where they're going to go eat a steak after the game. Okay. Like that's how it was. <laughs> I don't know how it is when we go in there right now. I got a sense it's probably not that way. But I mean, I got to say, like, if you keep going forward here and everybody looks up and says, like, the quarterback is screwing us, coach. Do something about it, and nothing's getting done about it. You're going to have a harder time keeping that culture together, and that's sort of what's your sort of vibe on where they're at in the locker room right now, where everything's at. I think right now this is a pretty critical spot in this whole thing. This is sort of what I yeah. see it as. I'm curious for your thoughts. I mean, I think they have. I think part of the reason that they talked about, or, or it seemed like Goff might be able to kind of help them weather the storm here is because they knew it wasn't going to be very good at a lot of other spots. And so I think that that's probably where they're at in the locker room for the most part is that you could go to pretty much every position on the field Sunday and pick a guy and say, you did not play well enough. Exactly. And there were a couple guys like Derek Barnes had a nice game. You know, Dan Campbell mentioned some of the younger guys, like he said, he thought Tracy Walker played well again. And he did, uh, you know, McNeil up front and like a bunch of these young guys that Jerry Jacobs hung in there other than the couple, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Chase got him for a couple deep balls, but hung in there and, and played well. But for the most part, you know, this isn't like they're on the brink of pulling through here and Goff's the main, the only right, reason, right. you know, it's not like, it's not like that. It's not like they have a playoff team and your quarterback gets hurt and you throw the backup out there and it all falls apart. Like we're not in that spot. So I think that, that does buy Jared Goff a little bit of cushion and maybe buys the team a little bit of time to keep doing this and hoping Goff yeah. can figure it out. But where I would say that there probably is growing frustration, 
I, and you won't ever hear it, I don't think, and I don't know that they'd even say it to each other, but I have to imagine on that coaching staff, yeah. they're starting to feel it a little bit because right. you know, Aaron Glenn's very critical of what he does and you know how he calls games and adjustments he needs to make or misses 100%. or whatever. No sacred but, cows with Aaron Glenn. He's objective on everything, like 100%. But let's be realistic about what he's facing. I know. If he's he's going into every game thinking, well, we got to give up three. This is not. It's kind of hard. Something you're going to pull off. And same thing like with Anthony Lynn. Like if he has to, they have talked for two weeks in a row now about how they have to take these play calls that Anthony Lynn wants to do. And he gave an example uh, at the press conference last week. And I forget what the actual play call was, but it was like 10 or 11 words. And uh, he said, well, maybe we just. Call that like I don't remember, like rooster or something, yeah. whatever it was. It was like one word. Maybe we just call that one word, and hopefully they can all figure visualize <laughs> right. it. Then do we have to shrink that down to one letter? I mean, come so on, like, guys. What? <laughs> and some some of this <laughs> right. is. And I asked Campbell Monday, like, who you keep talking about the missed assignments? You know, whose fault is that? Yeah. Is that the? And I think some of this is just that they have new receivers and young guys and a bunch of players that haven't played together. But at some point. Your quarterback is responsible if your receivers are running all the damn play all over is. the damn place out there. If they're not in the right spots, if he's throwing where he thinks guys are going to be and they're not there, if he's uh, he's clearly not getting to his third and fourth reads, that's no. just not something he's going to do. So I I don't know. They're very very limited on what they can do offensively, and so I think that if the players haven't cracked yet, and I think for the most part they haven't, because I think they still like Jared Goff. I think he's still good in the locker room and at practices and all that. Yeah. This coaching staff has to be feeling some frustration level of what yes. can we do here because we this is it. This is what we have to work with, right? and it's not good. So how do we fix <laughs> it? I think that's the million-dollar question, and it's like I heard from people on Twitter, um, and I'm sure you did too, probably more than I did even, that like you know people were like frustrated that Campbell was making excuses for Goff. And I was like, well, listen, I, I would say this. I don't think he was making excuses for golf. I think he actually put that in pretty good context. And I honestly think that right there is uh, probably about as far as you're going to see an NFL. Co- I mean, I, McVay went after him pretty hard last year and that didn't help anything. What can, <laughs> what can, might be why we are the situation. Are, yeah, right. right. That's about as, that's about as hard a line as I think you're going to see an NFL coach go after a quarterback after a game. And he took the time to, Sorted out, and I think his answer was exactly what it should have been. He needs to do more. They need him to do more. He's making a ton of money. He's eating up a ton of cap. He's the quarterback. Like, they have a lot of problems on offense that are like, like you just said, like guys having trouble remembering things because they're shuffling guys in and out. Hey, there's been one constant on that offense, right? Go off. Be a leader. Be a quarterback. Help them out. Do something. Figure it out. Adjust. If you and Hawkinson weren't on the same page on a wheel route into the flat, adjust on the fly, he was wide open by 12 yards, put the ball in his hands so he can go score a touchdown. Be a quarterback. Like Campbell said, he needs to, what do you say at one point? He needs to go out there and do some things. Like, that is what I would say he needs to do. Anything. (laughs) Like, anything, man. Like, anything. There was one throw he makes uh, at one point in the game, which I thought was, like, his best throw of the year. Uh... He stands in, takes a hit, and throws one down the seam to St. Brown, I think it was, for like 15 yards. Was that the interception? No, I think that was like uh, holding or something brought it back. But it was a completion, and it was like, okay. And like, where is that? 
that's doing something. Standing in there, making the throw because, hey, it looks like he might come open. I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to take a pretty nasty hit here, but whatever. I'm not going to spin out, run 15 yards in the backfield, take a sack, or turn it over. And I think that you go further than that, and his answers, Chris, to some of these questions on what happened there are horrible. Those are the, yeah. Be a better football player, period. (laughs) That's what Jared Goff needs to do. This needs to be do or die time for his career right now. Like these next six to eight weeks, his career is on the line. That's how he has to look at it. His The entire NFL sees what's happening here with him. He was a former number one pick. Okay, like it has to be do or die. There can be no stone left unturned from now until the rest of the year for him because he's been a mess and a lot of this is correctable. A lot of it is correctable, and he needs to start correcting it. And I think that that's the the long and short of it. Yeah the the press conference point you make is oh. an interesting one because I, and I don't want to compare. It's unfair <laughs> no, to yeah, compare him either. to Stafford because yeah. like Stafford, you'd be like, "What'd you have for dinner on June thirteenth, two thousand fourteen?" And he'd tell you how the meal was. Yeah, right. Oh, Goff though. The, that he had the fourth and four right after he overthrew Hawkins. So he had the two plays in a row in that game. They he had he was in the second quarter. They ran the the like pick play wheel route to Hawkinson. That I don't know if it would have gone for a touchdown, but it certainly would have been like right. fifteen yeah, or twenty yards. Jumps. Yeah, right. He threw it into this bench, mm-hmm. and then after the game said, I, "I mean, he at least implied that Hawkinson ran the wrong route, right? Yes, he did. <laughs> he said we weren't on the same page." So then you get the fourth down, fourth and four. That play, Swift leaks out of the backfield, wide open at the sticks. He never even turns to look for him. Instead, bails out of the pocket. They get called for holding. Goff says he saw the holding flag, and so he threw the ball away, thinking it'd just be fourth and 14, and they'd punt. That's not how penalties work. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's not how it works. (laughs) That's not how any of this works. And so... (laughs) Like, so I, I, you know, I get it. Like, every once in a while, you're going to have those sure. moments where, like, Tom Brady, what, last year thought thought it was third down, and it right, was fourth yeah. down. He's the greatest quarterback in right. NFL history. So, sometimes this stuff happens, but we're sort of seeing a pattern here right. from Goff where either his, the mental processing isn't there, and he's telling us it wasn't there, or he's the you know the Hawkinson thing it, well Hawkinson kind of ran the wrong I think he might have ran the wrong route and the the pick last week in Minnesota where he just yeah stared down the slant threw it right to a linebacker well the linebacker that was just a great play nothing you can do there <laughs> this is not well <laughs> this is a lot of this is on you man like yeah. at some point and I don't know Again, I don't want to compare him to Stafford and how Stafford handled the press conferences, and certainly we're not getting the full picture of, you know, how Jared Goff mm-hmm. goes back and looks at his performance at, in those press conferences a half hour after the game. But what we are hearing from him is not encouraging to me that he's going to figure out these issues. It's not well. I had another guy on the flat. I didn't get around to him. I thought he, you know, I thought I had more time or whatever. It's I, yeah, exactly. I had to get the hell out of there and throw the ball away because I thought yeah. we had it down. We didn't. It's like the processing is just not there and i think i don't know this is this is why the <laughs> this is why the rams didn't want golf anymore right like yes. this is the quarterback he was at the end there and again mm-hmm. to go back to that holmes point they were hoping he could get back to being like 2018 jared goff right and he's not and so that like is that the end of your evaluation uh, like are you done how much more i don't know right are you like, done or not? I, I mean, I, I guess I'm asking you here, too. Like, 
Yeah, I know. What's the window that you need to evaluate this when you're trying to fix a quarterback? Yeah, I think that, again, like there's some whistling through the graveyard, as my buddy Brady Hoke used to say, uh, going on here with record-setting coach Brady, Brady Hoke. Hoke. Uh, there's some whistling through the graveyard in that he's, and I think the Lions have been doing some of that too, in that they've done so much work in trying to talk confidence into him that, and I think that some of these answers are, they seem like deflections on, I just screwed up guys, like, sorry, you know, or whatever, where he's got to come up with some other answer and that's not going to go well for anybody either. But yeah, no, I think that that's the, the big question is it's like, what's the, how long do you need? I frankly don't think you need more than a year. For, I mean, I you know, in this situation, I really don't. And I think the Campbell was asked, I guess, like, has it been, have you had enough time to judge him or whatever, right? And he said, no, I don't think so yet. No one here has said that they don't think they're going to have enough time to judge him in a 17-game season. I mean, like, I think you can, yes, I do think you can reasonably judge what he is and isn't giving you, and it has nothing to do with your win and loss record. And frankly, I don't even know how much it has to do with like the overall box score, or whatever. Like these are situational things that we're talking about right here that we bring up every week that he fails them in every single week. That's the Hawkinson play situation. That's a call. That was something you schemed into the game plan that you waited for. You had it, you dialed it up. It was open and your quarterback threw it into the stands. And there's a guy <laughs> standing there on the, on the play looking at him. Like, what was that all about? Right? Like everyone's like, what just happened there? Like there's a lot of, there's two or three of those in every game. In this last game, they didn't result in red zone turnovers. In some games, they have. Like, it's not the full end end of, like, what's the box score say? What's that say? Is it a win or a loss? No, it's situational. Are you helping the team do anything? Or are you just out there taking snaps until the game ends? The Lions have not played with a lead for one second this year. Am I right? Is that the correct right, stat? That's right. Incredibly, that is correct. That is... <laughs> You want to reflect something on your quarterback? There you go. He's not assertive. He's not, he's timid, right? Like all the things that we've seen from him before, there's no point in talking about anything else in those critical spots. He is failing them. He's failing them. He needs to do more. Campbell said that. I thought it was a perfect, uh, what he said was perfect. They need more from him. He needs to shoulder more. He needs to do more. Like bare minimum and looking around and being like, well, the team sucks. What do you want me to do? Ain't gonna cut it. Uh, I don't think on this group in this town or anywhere else probably in the NFL, to be honest with you, I just don't, something needs to change there. And I think he needs to uh, ramp it up to some degree because this is not good enough. And uh, I don't think that anyone is going to defend that uh, as we go forward here. I mean, even right. And it's even the little things like that, that one to me, the Hawkinson throw, like those are the ones that I look at and say, well, this, this guy just has no confidence at all at all. (laughs) Like that's a throw where you're like, just trying to float it out there and hope it lands where it's supposed to go. Yeah, and it you're didn't. aiming. And, yeah, and right. so now what? Um, but like even the little stuff, you know, the turnovers, obviously, Campbell's talked a lot about those. You can't have them because it kills them. But like they get the turnover uh, on Sunday. I think it was, I think if I got the order of plays here, they got the turnover. You know, they get the, of course, they get called for taunting as Oro is running it back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then Goff, I think right after that was when Goff took that sack where he bailed out of the pocket and ran back to like the 50 trying to get away from pressure, which never works. No. And so now you're out of field goal range too. And so just these little things that are not 
disasters, game changing plays. Yeah. I guess the other thought that I had, though, I'm curious what you think, is I wonder. We've talked a lot about the reasons they wanted Goff here, and I think that they they trusted him to stay on the field. They thought they figured they knew what they were getting off the field. I wonder if when they were doing their evaluations, they obviously loved Panay Sewell. They liked a lot of these draft mm. picks. If they looked at the quarterbacks and said, if we draft a guy, he's going to have to come in and start, we cannot do that to a rookie with the way this team is going to be. And I kind of wonder how much that played it. Like, I don't know that this is right. a lot better with Mac Jones playing quarterback for you right now oh, or Justin no. Fields. No, no, no. Um, no, it's probably worse. It's probably more exciting. <laughs> right. It's more entertaining. But I don't know that the team's a lot lot better. Uh, (laughs) So I kind of wonder how much that went into the evaluation this year of let's just get through this season. We'll get into the next draft and we'll figure out quarterback then because if we can't put a young guy into this spot, it will just kill him. And we've seen that happen. I mean, it happened to Joey Harrington, I guess, if you want to go there. But it happens all the time in the NFL. Uh, And so I, I don't know. That was just something that popped into my head. Like they're just using golf as like the sacrificial lamb for 2021 yeah. come hell or high water. And that's why we haven't seen David Blau yet. And that's why they haven't well, really talked about Tim Boyle yet. So <laughs> I think that that's, I think that it's been super interesting and that's like the elephant in the room with the lions, right? Like they don't, they're never going to say that like Holmes, what would it do for Brad Holmes to say, we're bringing Jared Goff in here to be a bridge until we can get Sam Howell ready. <laughs> like what would it, what would benefit <laughs> would that have been for him right, to say that fair. last February? Like, so I do, and I've said this a bunch of times when we've talked, every time Holmes talks about quarterbacks, I think that he's, I don't want to say that, I don't want to call him a liar or whatever, right? But like, he's playing the game. I think he's he's playing the NFL game. I think that you have to, look, you're bringing Goff in here. You want to, you want him motivated. You want him to be part of this. And I think that the, the thing that they pitched to him was like, change our mind, change everyone's mind. Don't be more than a bridge. You know, be more than the person who just gets us from point A to point B. If that's what everyone thinks this is, we're not putting any, like, absolute cap on any of this. Like, change our mind. That's the opportunity. That's all they've given you. You're not changing anyone's mind. And I think that when Campbell says he is no, he being Goff is no different than any other player on the team, I take that as, (laughs) in in a real world situation, then that means he has to be no different than... Tyrell Williams, Rashad Perriman, or any of these other guys you gave chances to this offseason and whether or not it's going to work out for them here. And I know that the quarterback has a lot more on his plate and all this, but it's a massively important decision. You're, you've got terrific draft capital coming up here. Uh, you have to look at every single quarterback in this upcoming draft and the next one. And it has to be, I mean, at the top of every decision, Right. Like it has to be toward the oh, top or yeah. the top of everything. It's gotta be you do. the top. You gotta so, figure this out first. And yeah, I Holmes, think, I mean yeah, I agree. Holmes knows that. That's the whole reason he pushed for golf in LA. Like that was his argument. Well, we got a good team. We can't win without yeah. our quarterback. So if this isn't your quarterback, you can do all you want to the rest of the roster. You're only gonna get so far. You've yeah. gotta find the quarterback. Like you've gotta find the guy. And I think, you know, you you mentioned you had people on Twitter suggesting that Campbell should have gone further with his comments. I've seen people say, wonder if he's been going too far and criticizing Goff too much and should keep it behind closed doors instead. And I, I don't, I don't think that that's true. I mean, I think he's doing it. I think some of it Sunday, I think some of it Sunday was just 
raw emotion. Like I said, he kind of had those couple of moments where he was like, no, that's not true. Well, that is true. And yeah. uh, so I think he was just running pretty hot on Sunday. But I also think, and we talked about this last week, he, I think he knows that the stuff he's going to say in these press conferences is going to get back to his players. Of course. They're listening and to so, all of it. <laughs> when he's out there saying, well, we need Goff to put more of this on his shoulders. We need him to play better. We need him to whatever else he said there. I think he's just trying to lay down the gauntlet a little bit for this yeah, guy and I say, too. look, we, you know, we it wasn't a great situation for us. We had to trade our quarterback. We had to figure it out. It's not a great situation for you being on this team. But like you said, this, if you want to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, you have a, this is it. Prove mm-hmm. that you deserve to be it because otherwise this contract, however they get out of it is going to be the last big one Jared Goff gets and he's going to be a one-year deal guy for the rest of his career because no one trusts him to be a starter anymore so show us Brad Holmes believes that you have more than this in you we like what you give us in the locker room show us something like you said just this cannot be it if this is it we're done like (laughs) if there's more in there time is now to show it to us because we can't get through this season, let alone next season, yeah. with the offense looking like this. And I would also add, like, because I thought you brought up a good point about, and it was interesting, the the people maybe thinking um, that Campbell was going too far with the criticism. And I can, I understand some of that, I guess, you know, to a degree. I do, because sometimes that happens and the quarterback is a different position and there's a lot on that person's shoulders, so much more than anybody, you or me or anybody else can ever understand, right? Everyone understands that in football. And it's almost this, like, unwritten thing with probably writers and everybody else I think like the quarterback has a lot going on you can't just default to blaming everything on the quarterback right like that's a very easy thing to do and it happens far too often in football but I think it's important for a coach like Dan Campbell who I think does have the credibility to make that assessment publicly because it's true and right and I think that we talked you know when we did that story on him in the summer You know, I talked to Drew Henson and he talked quite a bit about, you know, when he got to the Cowboys, Dan Campbell taught Drew Henson the offense. He taught him the checks. He taught him the calls. He taught him everything. He knew what his reads were. He knew how to read coverages. Dan Campbell understands how an offense is supposed to work. And more importantly, how a quarterback's supposed to play, what he's doing, when he's doing it, what risk is good, what risk isn't. I think that, I think that was refreshing, frankly, to see because he did play poorly, poorly, and he's one of 11 in a way, and he, in a way he's not, but when your quarterback plays poorly, and everybody else gets blamed for everything else, and he's the one who never gets blamed, and he sits up there and says, well, you know, another, you know, we were on the same, we weren't on the same page, I think if I'm in the locker room, I'd want to hear my coach say that the quarterback needs to be better, and I think that that's totally fair, and I don't think we hear it enough, frankly, uh, in some settings, and I, I think that that was a good note. I wouldn't suggest he dumps on him like, you know, throws a chair or anything, <laughs> right. you know, but like yeah. I I wanted to make that point today because I thought that was different. I think Campbell does have credibility in that arena and I think he should use it. I think that's what makes him unique as a coach and I think that's I thought that was good to see because I think he it needed to be said in some and level. It, Whether or not yeah. it was severe enough for some is a different story, but like I think it needed something there needed to be addressed. And again, it's it is definitely harder for us to get a read on sort of how Jared Goff is yeah. processing all this because we 
We see him on Sundays. He does the press conference after the game. We see him. He talks to the media on Wednesday for about but 10 minutes and that's mm-hmm. pretty much it we see him you know out at practice for 20 minutes uh wednesday through friday we're, but we're not in the locker room we can't see how he's interacting we can't talk to him off the record right now right you know? yeah right and like with stafford um you you know we had a lot of years where we were able to do that and he did not give two shits about <laughs> what people wrote about him or said no, about him never cared yeah. i don't know that jared goff is the same way even michael brockers said uh no, you know someone asked brockers on Monday, uh, was, you know, does this, does talk radio ripping on golf or, you know, all of us writing about, uh, how golf struggling get to him. And, and Brocker said, well, you know, we're all humans. Like mm-hmm. imagine someone told, wrote that you were a terrible journalist. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it would bother you. It would sting. Uh, yeah, right. And so, <laughs> I, I mean, I think he, without saying like, oh, Jerry Goff's just feels terrible about himself. I think he's at yeah, least was admitting that he's aware of the talk. He certainly heard the people booing him when he like two hopped a ten yard throw to Carol yeah. Hodge in the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> right, he's not immune to it, right? Like, so I don't know. I mean, like I guess my point is just that we're kind of guessing at where Jared Jared Goff is at uh, mentally, but the evidence suggests that he's not in a very good spot. No, and I don't know how you fix that. Right, the season's going, and if I you can't either. fix that. That's you're done. That's it. That's yeah. the answer about your quarterback. And I think that you know to borrow another line from another old friend of mine, Urban Meyer. Uh, that's life in the big city, Jared Goff. I, you know, I think that that's and I all those points are fair. And this is hard. This is a shitty situation for everyone involved. Really, it's not easy. It's not ideal. But like, you got to make the best of it. And the point you made earlier, Chris, about like this window right here for Goff is it. It's it. This is it. And. He knows that. He has to know that. And I think that the pressure that goes into that is also something that we can't appreciate. You know, like you and I and anybody else, like, we can't. Because we're not NFL quarterbacks going through this situation. We weren't first-round picks who were, you know, told by a franchise we were the greatest thing in the world and then given up on (laughs) two years after I made a Super Bowl. We don't know what that's like, right? It's tough and difficult, and he's 27 years old, but that's life in the big city, and you're making 20 million dollars so I think that that's sort of how it has to go here and I think that this season at large the full season the full picture that's what you take I think that people keep asking that how much time have you had to judge golf you take the season you know what I mean and and you address this fully and totally you think about it all year of course and you have your conversations but it gets addressed in January February I think that's what that's the only thing you know really fair wise they can do however and this would be maybe a segue. You talked about Blau earlier. I don't know if Blau's an option at all for anyone, but if Tim Boyle gets his hand healthy and Goff continues to miss opportunities like this over the next three or four weeks, do we see Tim Boyle? I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world necessarily, depending on how things are going, but I I think it should at least be possible, right? Or an option if Goff continues to struggle. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, to me, this is, 
I mean, this is the conversation we've had since as far back as training camp and maybe a little before. Like, if you're going to really stick to what you're saying here, every position's open every week. We're going to have competition. Like, you got to go win the job. Sure. I forget where we, what position we were even talking about. Maybe it was Derek Barnes playing ahead of Collins or something, but the players are going to notice if you don't have the best guy out there right, right. at a position. Right. And if right. Jared Goff is playing like this, and I, I don't know, I. <laughs> Right, I kind of had I kind of no, hesitant yeah. to go too far into this because I I well, don't Boyle has we, to do his part too. <laughs> right, I don't know that Tim Boyle is like That's some best. secret yeah. superstar that's just been waiting behind Aaron Rodgers all right. this time, and like you're gonna put him out there, and you know he's gonna turn into like I don't, I don't even. And like, David Blau is a damn like John a damn Kittner. nice guy. I don't even but... know what the upside is for right. Tim Boyle, yeah. but like, right. but you've got this guy who's gonna be a ten year starter sitting there. Uh, and you're just not using him. David Blau, I think uh, I think we know and I think yeah. they know that he's like a good guy to have around. Great guy to have around. He can yeah. start if you need him to. That's positive, probably it. Positive that's, guy who yeah, but that's he probably it. should have yeah, played right. a couple series on Sunday because right. I don't why yeah. not? <laughs> right. Like did golf but, really need to keep going back out there getting food? But hey, maybe he did. Maybe, maybe that was and maybe that was Campbell. Challenging him too. We talked about that upstairs. Like, why? Finish why is game? Yeah. yeah? Why is Goff still in this game? Yeah, I think that Campbell sends more lessons than probably we ever gave him credit for early. But it's starting to see. I'm starting to think that though. Yeah, I, th- I think that this is going to be an interesting next couple weeks here. I mean, to see the response. We should, like I said, I'm hesitant to go too far into this quarterback controversy direction. Yeah, right. Because of I course. don't, you know, I don't. There's a lot going on here. Yeah, right. And I would mention we saw Tim Boyle all. Yeah, he August. wasn't good. He was not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> he did. He he does, I will say, give you more mobility. And the one thing he did consistently do throughout training camp was throw the ball downfield. So maybe right. that, that is enough to intrigue you. <laughs> right. That was it. Every throw was way down the field. So Yeah. Goff was the better quarterback in training camp, to be clear, uh, by Pretty much every metric. So and now Boyle <laughs> yeah, right. hasn't played right, and now Boyle's been out for six weeks. So right. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know that that change is happening. But it, yeah, if you're zero and ten, and this sure, is yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like right. maybe yeah. maybe you kick the tires on something, um, and, and yeah, and that would involve maybe even changing the math on, and maybe that would be the result of like, hey, we've we've got our answer on golf. We're gonna figure out how to get out of this, and I don't know that we see that or don't. I don't know. It's all up to golf, really. I think. Well, but, but this is something else that we've talked about a little bit too, and I. I'm. I don't know. I I just keep coming back to Brad Holmes and all this too. Not just because of, you know, his faith, I guess, in Jared Goff, but um, just in sort of the the pieces that are around him. You know, they've gotten hit by injuries. Obviously, like this looks a lot different if Decker and Ragnow are there together the whole year and they've got their offensive line and Tyrell Williams is healthy and all that. But I I don't know. Is this has Brad Holmes lost any of his grace period because of what the roster is right now, if that makes sense? Like, is there more pressure on him next going into next offseason than maybe there would have been otherwise because things have gone so poorly with a lot of these additions he's made? I think that I would look at it as there is going to be as much pressure on him as we originally thought there would be and that the things he did this offseason didn't weren't enough to relieve any of that. Does that make like, yeah, I think that's, that's how fair. I look at it. Like I don't think it's increased. Like I don't think it's gotten worse, but I think it hasn't gotten any better. I think I don't think the moves that they've made in the offseason, which again, you know, like, although we'll see, because you know, clearing the decks on some of that stuff and getting the comp picks, 
you know, that's that's part of it. And I think that was a big part of the strategy, of course. And we'll see what they do with those, and we'll see how that yeah. pays off. But and the, he drafted well. Yes. I mean, I think we can I think say so. I think so. knowing what Sewell's going to be. Solid, um, right? Like, I think that you're getting good stuff from Anzarike right. and McNeil. And, you know, Sewell continues to have struggles in the early parts of games, but then is really good for the last three quarters. I think he's going to be fine. St. Brown's playing better. Yeah, he's drafted fine, I think. You know, the quarterback situation is another matter that people can fairly criticize. But the player additions that they sort of were having to make with limited cap didn't do enough to, you know, if you look across the board, you know, Jamal Williams has certainly helped them. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some, somebody I'm forgetting here off the top of my head, but like, it, it's just not enough. And <laughs> Zaloni, I don't yeah, know. I mean, it's not enough and it's not going to be enough to change the fact that you're going to enter next year's draft with just everything. You got to get everything still like, <laughs> you know, and I think that that's, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I think I guess that's the that's the thing, right? Is like are you going to be able to go 6 weeks and if we get into week 13, are you going to be able to look at Derek Barnes and say, "Okay, like we're not too worried about his spot anymore." I don't know. Maybe that changes, but I still think that more or less he's going to have to have a really damn good draft again and a really good offseason and I I mean, I guess that's the other thing too to to talk about or at some point would be like I don't know what kind of money he's going to have this winter, if at all. Um, and does that mean that they don't have any until next winter? I, you know, that's another part of the equation as well. But he can't; he doesn't have any room for error. That's for sure. That hasn't changed. I don't think. Did you? Would you agree, or would you see it differently? Uh, no, I'd agree. I mean, I think again, it's it's hard because we knew how tough this was going to be anyway, and then they basically lost like seven of their ten best players right. to injury. So. You know, you you didn't really have those reserves in the first place, and so I think you take away those guys, and it it looks the way it does right now. Um, and I think the key is not just drafting well, but like Jerry Jacobs was an undrafted guy. Right. They're going to have to find some of those. Campbell's said it from the moment he got hired. Like they're, we're going to have to mm-hmm. we're have to bring some guys along pretty quickly, develop some under the radar guys, and I think that they're doing that. I mean, I think. Melifonwu looked like a usable player before yeah. he got hurt in the little bit we saw him. Um, you know, Su- Sewell's got to be really good. Like, that's going to be the key to this draft mm-hmm. class. But, yeah, I mean, I think the draft at least is encouraging. And then, yeah, you you got to sort of see what this looks like. I don't know. I don't know how much they open the checkbook in the offseason. I think that's one of the things that will be interesting. And I also don't know. This is not going to be an easy situation to sell the free agents. No way. Yeah, next no. season. I, I so, wouldn't want to open it too much uh, next year. No way. Right. Um, I think you could maybe like, but I think what you could do is like maybe invest a little bit more at some of those spots where they tried to sort of like piecemeal it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like whatever they paid Williams, you know, for the, you know, right receiver. Well, you go out and pay a little bit more maybe next year for maybe a little bit better of <laughs> Of a, of a wide receiver in that yeah. situation. But, I yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely interesting to see how this is all going to go here. But, but I, yeah, I, think, I think it's changed. I think you're right. I don't think it's changed that much because I think most of the season was about just figuring out who's going to be here, yeah, you know, who's, you who's a piece that you can keep. And so I think that they're still in that process. But I do think that, like, if you fast forward to week one of next year and Malafonwu is – pushing for a starting job and McNeil and Anzarike are playing up front and Okora's back and Julian Okora's playing. Like, yep. I think there's, and the offensive line is healthy. Like, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff here that you look at and say, all right, this 
this could be decent next year. Right. Um, so I don't, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think the pressure's necessarily changed, but it is, I think you said it to me in the press box, that at some point, Holmes probably needs to untether himself <laughs> from Jared Goff. Right. Yeah, I think so too. Or at least the idea that he drafted him or whatever. <laughs> right. Well, it's very, well, but now twice, like it's yeah, very right, out there yeah. that he banged I the table for him in true. LA and now he came here and they had other options at quarterback or they could have just traded yeah. Stafford and gone and signed yeah. Tyrod Taylor or some, some stopgap for a year. And they right. wanted taking the uh, to some extent, trade or whatever. Yeah. Right. To some extent they wanted golf. I mean, I think the rest sure. of that trade, you know, they wanted the pick for sure. They will you know, and the Rams needed to make that work. So, but I think they had at least some part of Brad Holmes wanted Goff here. And so if Goff, I, I don't know. There, <laughs> there's always going to be pressure on who's going to be your quarterback. But uh, this probably that's probably the one spot where it's cranked up. Because it's like, is this really what he thinks an NFL yeah, franchise right. quarterback is going to be? Um, and I don't know. I mean, if you want a guy who can just get you through a game, get one that can run. Like, that's what that's what I would say. And I think that, and the more we talk about this, and we're going to talk about it a ton, of course, in the coming months with the quarterback thing, they can do this a thousand different ways. Like, do you go, do you go target one at the top of the first, or do you wait on a developmental guy and say, we are going to just ride out the smoke with this here, and you guys can just deal with it. And we'll get a younger guy in the later rounds, and we'll see what happens. I don't know. There's a bunch of different things they can do with it, but like... I mean, if yeah, I would say that if you want to just get a build a really good team around a quarterback, get a quarterback that can run. <laughs> like that's what I my suggestion would be. But you know, we'll see how it goes. Well, right, because you either need to have like you either need to be Brady, who yeah, right. is just elite at standing in the pocket, or Stafford and have one of the best arms in football, or you need to have someone who yeah, can get at out least of there. Yeah, get out of there. Right, and. You know, get you three yards when it looks like you're going to get sacked. I think that's important. Yeah. So I'm with you there. Uh, I did want to talk here for a few minutes, <laughs> mostly because I mentioned uh, your podcast you do with uh, Brendan. You're covering Michigan, Michigan State on top of the Lions. And so this is a pretty interesting fall <laughs> for you because the Lions are the worst team in football. <laughs> Michigan, Michigan State are one Pat Fitzgerald visit to the big house from. They are. I don't know. Is this Armageddon. at least one of the biggest games in the rivalry's history next week in uh, East Lansing? Uh, and so people always kind of ask me, I'm sure you get those questions too, like, are you rooting for teams to win? Is it more fun to cover a team that's winning all that? Yeah. Is it more fun to cover <laughs> the college teams right now than it is to cover the Lions? Like, how? Oh, yeah. By a how's thousand this miles. <laughs> By a th- this is way better than last year. Uh, last year was a total disaster with everyone was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's been much better, uh, with the colleges to watch them. Yeah. They're, it's funny how you sort of see some of those issues that kind of creep up at a lower level that can sort of linger in a l- large level. The weird thing too here is that like all the, the lions have so many young players that are all like college age type kids. So their, their mentalities a lot of times I feel like are very similar. So almost, it feels like I'm almost watching three college teams. That's a completely <laughs> on the lines there, but no, yeah, it's been um, definitely different. Um, the mood on lions games when both Michigan and Michigan state are bad from the fans is usually really, really nasty. Like to a, uh, I've noticed, I've noticed that like, it's really nasty. And when they're both doing well, the mood on lions games from the fans is usually pretty chill. So like, 
yeah, that's, that's uh, a good point. That has been a good byproduct that I've seen. So, um, but yeah, so far so good in that front. We'll see how this. Uh, if they both go undefeated, if they're both undefeated, I think they'll be the first time since um, 1964 that both mm. teams would enter maybe this far along or something uh, as top ten teams. I think that maybe that's what it was. It's undefeated top ten teams. So pretty wild, but uh, certainly yeah. more interesting than uh, the Lions on Sundays. But yeah, the Lions I mean, have I've, a- heard, <laughs> right. I've heard other writers say that it, you know. So bad teams are almost more enjoyable to cover because there's more storylines. Yeah. So sometimes that's true. It depends. Sometimes it's not. Like, it <laughs> depends. Know? Yes. Great point. It depends on the situation. That's a great point. Like, this situation here, uh, this Lions team is not like a slog to cover as much as you would probably think. I don't think. I mean, the games are tough to watch. But, like, yeah. the process of rebuilding for me is has you know sort of been interesting and it just got off they just got off of the toxic disaster right like but you don't want to cover patricia like that was a disaster he was like everyone was miserable the players were miserable they didn't want to talk about anything everyone hated everything the coaches didn't want to talk about anything they were nervous they were scared patricia was patricia and there it was it was a complete mess if you look at this there's still a mess on the field but like people are excited to be there. They're willing to talk, right? Like those are when the mood of the team is in like a positive place, even if they're bad, which can happen depending on the situation. Sure. That's what that's what you want. Because like Michigan last year was a toxic disaster and they've been able to flip themselves into like an enjoy. So if you're around those guys now, they're, you know, they have fun. Like, you know, they give you better quotes. They give you better stories. They give you better whatever, like. They're more willing to talk to you about stuff. It's just that is the thing that you want to avoid. What we had to cover really the last two years with uh, Patricia, which is just like the everyone is miserable all the time. <laughs> this is a total nightmare. Like, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. It's I don't even know different. how that would be if they were good. I think I feel like that would be tough mm. to cover even if they were good. And yeah, Patricia, you know, that's what I mean? probably true. It's a little tougher now, too. I, I know you don't get locker room access yeah, uh, with college, Michigan yeah. State anyway, but it's a little different without having the locker room access because my first year for the athletic with the lions was the last Jim Caldwell year. And they played, they had some big games that year. They yeah, had some right. exciting wins in the locker room after those wins. Like you wanted to get down there and be in there because guys mm. were having fun and they would say some, you know, they'd tell you everything that you wanted to know about right, the yeah, game. Right. And then, you know, the first Patricia year, the second Patricia year, when we were able to get in the locker room, they'd lose Patricia would do his press conference, Stafford would do his press conference, and then they'd open the locker room, and guys would take that <laughs> interim to shower and get the hell out of there, and there'd be like four guys in there, and they yeah. were all miserable. <laughs> so oh, yeah, horrible. Yeah. The same generic quotes every week. And uh, so I don't know. I, I think that uh, it's hard, It's a little harder to say not having the locker room, but I don't know. I, I do think it's, it's there's something to be said for covering – teams that are going well i mean i think just the like you said the vibe is yeah hope you need hope of way any kind. different yeah yeah <laughs> like any kind of hope and it's like grace periods right those types of things like nobody's trying to fire dan campbell right he doesn't have a he doesn't have a clock uh, that's such a big part of it too when you're covering these football teams and i think that's different than probably and i it's probably catching up but it is different than most other sports i feel like the intensity of a football season and what that does you know, to a coach and how people view that coach, there's nothing else like it. It changes 
I mean, my God, it changes so rapidly. Like all the years I've, I've thought over the years, every time I would go, you know, when I was covering Michigan just as a beat writer every day, every time I would go to that Ohio State game at the end of the year, it would be this like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen the next day. I don't know what's going to happen in the next three and a half hours. But it's everything tomorrow is going to be completely different than it was when I woke up today. Like that, <laughs> that like that doesn't happen as much in the NFL, I guess. And, and like the pressure there and that sort of thing, I think that that's something that we often uh, maybe forget about. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll add to it. We're obviously not like sitting up in the press box right, cheering yeah. one way or the other. I <laughs> I uh, will admit that I think we we both cracked up a little when they scored to cut it to Lions scored to cut it to thirty four eleven and the <laughs> dude comes on the oh score video yeah, board right. to sing the oh, press yeah. conference or sing the press <laughs> conference sing the fight the song <laughs> uh, like let he, me let me hear you yeah, and he did it like twice even the, yeah after after they got the two five hundred people in the crowd. <laughs> Uh, but we're not sitting up in the press box. It's right. cheering. Uh, we're not like, I've sort of explained it to people. Um, like either way we have to work, whether they win or lose, <laughs> right, you know? yeah. like I got to write a story either way. So it doesn't necessarily impact me that much. I will say we both grew up around here. My dad still texts me during the game. Oh, my yeah. kid, despite me telling him to just like go outside and Stop do something, wears yeah. his lion's gear every Sunday and wants to watch the game. So, I, I mean, I think we uh, at least appreciate. Just oh yeah. Yeah how difficult this is for the fans. And I think that that like selfishly too, I mean, draft time for us is exciting because people are excited. And so oh, if yeah. they were to win, I think we, would, you know, yeah. that would be great if people were more excited after games on Sundays. Uh, oh, it'd be so much better. So, but you know, that, that stops short of cheering for wins and losses. But I think we, I think, I we think that I look like at it, understand what a win yes, would do. For I look at it like here. this. I, and I wrote this the other day or maybe it was even or last week um, about Michigan, and Michigan state. And I would say the same thing for the lions. People here ha- deserve. Yeah. Okay. And have earned yes. to, to watch uh, two top 10 college football teams, Michigan, and Michigan state play a game in, basically in November with big 10 championship stuff on the line, playoff implications on the line, the whole shot. You're both good. They've earned that, okay, over the last however many years. They've also, <laughs> over the last 70,000 years, earned something from the Lions that could be construed as, like, you know, a positive or good yeah. or, like, a, a nice break or whatever. And I think over the years, and like you said, like, having grown up here, I think we probably see it differently maybe than some who wouldn't. Um, but because that's what it is. I mean, I still remember growing up as a kid and the Lions were horrible, but you watched the Lions like with your parents, you know, like that's what it was. Like, I remember what that was like. And, you know, it's interesting um, when they were playing the uh, when Calvin Johnson came out and, the, and Sheila Ford got booed and Martha got booed at the game the other week. Yeah, um, right. And that was the big moment that everybody remembered. And I think Pat McAfee made fun of it on a WWF pay-per-view that night. So, you know, the, <laughs> all that stuff. But what I took away from that whole rigmarole, one of the parts of what I took away from that. Uh, they showed clips of Calvin's video on the board and uh, when he talked to the fans at the um, enshrinement, you know, and he said, you guys were there when we were on 16. You were there yeah. when we were in the playoffs. You were there when we fell out of the playoffs. You never go away. Like, I've seen that in my whole life. So I, you know, when we get those questions about your thoughts on all this, like, yeah, we totally understand everything everyone's going through and would, would also completely agree that, you know, people have earned something different, you know, um, or at yeah. least the opportunity to see something different, I would say. And that's, we uh, totally understand that. 
And that's what Campbell said at the start. Like, All the way, yeah. If you win here, it would be unlike anything anywhere, anywhere yeah. else in the league. Right. <laughs> Just because there's so much pent-up frustration. I think if they draft a quarterback next year, we would see uh, some of that come back for a little while. Yeah, Just yeah. the excitement there. So. Probably. Um, I don't we'll know. So this week, uh, I guess we should, as we close here, uh, I don't know if this one's been circled on the calendar or if people are dreading this uh, week, uh, oh the God. trip to LA. I'm sure Jared Goff and I, I don't know that Matthew Stafford, people were talking after the game like, oh, Matthew Stafford probably wants to hang. Yeah, right. I was like, I don't like, know. I don't, why? Why would he? Like, Lions just they, gave him a Super Bowl. They, <laughs> they traded him to the team he wanted to go to. They, uh, you know, went out of their way to do him a favor. Might take an uh, L. I don't. I, I think <laughs> right. he might just. You know, I think he'd prefer to get up like twenty four nothing at halftime and run the ball and get yeah, yeah. out of there as fast as possible. Maybe I'm misreading it, but no, that's I my, think that's how that would. That's my go. sense, and I think Jared Goff probably would. I mean, I'm sure he'd like to go in there and and stick it to Sean McVay, but yeah, uh, also would prefer uh, to just not have this week be happening. I think uh, it's I probably a little bit of both. I think he would so. probably prefer. <laughs> Maybe more, just not even have it happening. But yeah, it would probably be nice to stick it to him because we also saw McVeigh's already pulling out his. Oh, you know, I feel bad now. You know, <laughs> yeah. or whatever. It's like, shut up, man! For the love of God, you you hated him. You wanted him gone. You wanted Stafford. You got what you wanted. Just shut right. up and go coach right. football. Snuck down you know, to Mexico wow. to meet Stafford on vacation. Enough like, of <laughs> your narrative bullshit. Like a stop. Like yeah, I can. I can see maybe Goff not really wanting to go through this um, more than maybe even Stafford, to be quite honest with you. I There's just not as many guys on this team that Stafford, you know, was close with. or I mean, there's still some, of course, but there's not that many left, I wouldn't think, right? Like, I don't, the roster yeah. has changed so much. I don't think Stafford is like – I don't think he's having nightmares about this game. I don't think he game. cares either way, think, really. I, right. I, I don't know, think I mean, it's a – like, I don't – I think he'll like. I don't understand the like revenge game narrative. Sure, like yeah. I mean, there'll, there'll be there'll be like staffers and equipment people and people that he hasn't seen that he likes that he's friends with that he'll you know, right? That he'll get to see on Sunday, and I'm sure he's excited for that. But like, I don't think beyond that it's anything. I promise you, it's nothing other than a football game for him. And when he tells you that, I can't imagine there's anything. Yeah, more to it. Um, I mean, it is. Yeah. Just in the scope of this Lions season, it's interesting for all the reasons we talked about at the start. Like they they got embarrassed on Sunday, and Dan Campbell called them out and called yeah. out the coaching staff, and Goff was bad. And so this is you kind of want to see how they respond. And so yeah. if they get beat, I mean, the, they're the Rams are in another universe compared to the Lions talent wise. But if they come out and get beat forty five to nothing on Sunday, that's that's not a great sign. Not good. <laughs> after no. what happened this past week. So I think just if you just take away the Stafford and Goff stuff and the, you know, Holmes going back and McVeigh and all this, just from a just in terms of seeing how the Lions react to what happened, uh, I think this is an important moment for them because maybe they do hang in there. Like I think that'd be a great sign for them. If they get to halftime and it's thirteen to ten, yes, yes. Say, all right, well now guys are back, like everything's sort of resettled and they're back Go, to where they yeah. were in week five. Go fight. And go throw some sand in the gears of the perfect football team and see if they have to sweat for four quarters. That's what you do in this game. That's right. what you do every game. That's all he wants all year long. Go fight and screw up someone Sunday, right? Go make Sean McVay have to think about what contradictions he's going to have to walk back after the game that he talked about all last week. Like, that's what you're trying to do here 
on Sundays with your Lions. Go compete, go fight, go try to mess it up and see what happens. Like, And as we've seen this year, they have enough to do that yeah. to a degree. You know, obviously with a team like the Rams being so good, it's going to be harder to do it for longer. But like, that's, you know, that's what we, that's where you start. That's, that's how you learn how to win. And I think that you talk to coaches like Campbell about, you know, how do you learn how to do this? How do you learn how to do that? How do you learn how to run a two minute drill as a quarterback? You do it by going out there and doing it, right? Like that's, so you start at the bottom, you go scrap and you go see if you can screw up somebody's day. And that's how it has to be. That's how the mindset has to be. And I think that's what Campbell sort of talked about all year when he's, when he talked about in camp, you know, that we're going to go out here and stretch and we're going to stretch the shit out of it for 20 minutes. And it's going to be an amazing stretch. And then we're going to do this. Like, and it's going to be, per- you know, as good as we can do it. That's how you, everything has to just be one thing at a time, go all the way back to that and don't worry about it. And I think maybe it's a good thing that you're going on the road, right? It's yeah, going to be a national right. game. Yep. All anyone wants to talk about is how great Stafford is and how shitty the lions are. <laughs> Use it. Right. Yeah. Like, you don't have, no one's expecting to go win the game, but like, you know, equip your, or, you know, quit yourself a little better, I think would be like you're saying, like hang in there and fight and see if you can, you know, make them sweat a little longer than uh, they're comfortable with. I think that's, that's yep. probably the goal. Yeah. I mean, odds are you're probably going to get like 400 yards and four touchdowns from Stafford, but sure. maybe you, maybe you get one of those games where he tries to do too much and he makes a couple mistakes right. and kind of hang around and <laughs> make this maybe, interesting. Maybe and, Goff ropes one in there uh, a couple yeah. times and you get a cut, you know, like, I don't know, like it's an NFL game, like stuff happens. I, I think that you just block it all out and see if you can go screw it up. That's what, that has to be the message. And, and you know, in that case, I think that's probably the best operation for the Lions is just, you can't worry about anything but your own, you know, thing every single step of the way. They just don't have enough right now to get so inundated with what the other side's doing. It has to be more about themselves, which is hard to do in the NFL. But, you know, that's that's how it has to be right now. All right. Well, uh, you can get our podcast one of these years on the Athletic app ad-free. Get over to theathletic.com. If you don't have a subscription, uh, you can just click through any story you see and, and uh, pull up uh, whatever deal we've got running at the time. You can also find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all the normal spots. Uh, we'll be back again next Tuesday to break down whatever happens in L.A. and and see how Jared Goff responds and how this team responds and how mad Dan Campbell is. All those, <laughs> all, those all the above. <laughs> and then uh, preview the uh, Week 8 game a little bit with the Eagles coming to town. I'm sure people won't be talking too much about that one <laughs> regardless. Uh, uh, Bre- Brendan Quinn is very excited for that game. Brendan might talk about it He's a little bit. He's getting tickets, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode of the show. Thanks to everyone who's been listening and rating and reviewing us, subscribing, all those things. We appreciate it. So for Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.